Uh, it's great to see you. Very warm welcome. As Marcus said, I'm Martin, married to Emily. We lead the church here together, uh, if you didn't know, and it's great to see you. But um, we are in the book of Romans tonight, and we're reading from chapter 15, from verse 4 to 13. So Romans 15, 4 to 13. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written... Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk tonight just for a few moments on how to hold on to hope, how to hold on to hope, particularly in these ever-changing times. Some of you, it was a few uh, years ago now, but some of you may remember uh, the story of the 33 Chilean miners who got uh, stranded, stuck down in the San Jose uh, mine. It was in 2010, October the 13th, and uh, there'd been an explosion in the mine, and they were covered by a half a mile of rock above them. And it's an amazing story. I don't know if you got to see uh, the coverage, but their friends, their family, all of the new news broadcasters, the rescuers that came, those that were on the surface, knowing that they were deep down underground, plunged into darkness. They were up on the surface, and they decided to set up this makeshift tent city, and they called it Camp Hope. Camp Hope. And the miners down in the mine, they didn't know what was going to happen. Those on the surface, they didn't know what was going to happen, but they never gave up hope. And after 69 days, those miners were stuck down there. This drill had gone down from the surface and found them deep down in that mine. And through this little capsule, they were able to bring them up. They, they called it a feat of engineering and a miracle of faith. Such a story of hope. And the stories of those 33 men is documented in a book. I think there's a movie coming out as well, if it's not come out already. Uh, but that book is called Deep Down Dark. Pretty apt title for where they found themselves. And you, like me, sometimes might look at this world and think, gosh, things look a little bit deep down 
dark. And in those moments, it can be hard to hold on to hope. Maybe looking at the news feed, maybe watching a little bit of TV, whatever it is. Maybe the things that are going on in our own lives. It can be hard to hold on to hope. Perhaps you're just exhausted at this time of year. Perhaps you're just worn down by the changing circumstances. You know, is it Christmas party on or Christmas party off? Don't ask Boris Johnson about that, but that's another story. Is it masks on or is it masks off? Is it going to be exams on or exams off? So much going on at this time. And I suspect in a room like this with a group of people this size, there's actually not one of us who isn't facing in some way a significant challenge or situation in our own lives. And it's in those moments that we need to hold on to hope. There's no better time than this, in this season of Advent as we approach Christmas. Advent is a time for hopeful expectation. The word Advent, it means coming or arrival. It's this moment when we celebrate that hope has come into the world. A Savior has been born to us, and He is coming again. And it's because of that unshakable, unchangeable truth that I want to encourage you, as I would encourage myself, to set up Camp Hope in your life. Set up Camp Hope in your heart. Let your faith rise in this season as you hold on to hope in Jesus. I love how the Christmas carol, which hopefully we'll be singing over these next few weeks, Oh Holy Night, puts it like this, a thrill of hope for a weary world rejoices. This is a time not for despair. This is a time for hope. Because the hope we have as Christians, it's, it's not just wishful thinking. It's not blind optimism. It's rooted in a reality. It's not wishful thinking like, I, I hope I get some new clothes this Christmas. Well, that would be kind of nice. Or I hope Manchester United can turn their season around. Lucian shaking your head. Well, Chelsea sunshine yesterday, not good. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not about optimism. It's not about PMA. The hope we have as Christians is unshakable, unchangeable. The Bible talks about a certain hope. Peter, the apostle, he talks about a living hope. The writer to the Hebrews, he says this hope is like an anchor for our souls. It's something to hold on to. It's something that we can stand on, something that we can build our lives on. It's firm, it's secure, it's unshakable. It surpasses our circumstances. It's deeper than our disappointments. It's even greater than our collective grief. How can we be sure when we read passages like this, why should we choose to hold on to this kind of certain hope? What is it that we can see in this passage, the first thing we see is that we can hold on to this certain hope because it is rooted in the promises of God. Verse 4 of chapter 15 says, For everything, everything that was written in the past, his word, the story of God, 
It was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. The purpose of the Bible is so that we might have hope. Real hope is based on the Word of God. It's theological. It's not psychological. It's not based on our emotion, but it's based on the Word that He has spoken. And here, Paul is reminding the church that whatever you might be going through, whatever you've had to face in the past, whatever you might be facing in the present and into the future, there is a bigger story that is taking place. There is a greater narrative that each one of us is a part of. It says here, everything that is written in this book, everything is pointing towards God's redemptive salvation plan for humankind. And when we realize that we're a part of that story, that gives us hope. You see, because what was true for the people of, the, of Israel then, the people of God then, is true for us today. And the whole story of God, his whole plan for salvation is a restoration of hope. It's about us being reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. When we hope for something, often we're involved. We have to, to do something, to, to put energy into something, to make it a reality, or we have to drive towards a dream. But actually the central theme here of Paul's letter to the Romans is that actually it's not about anything that we can do. The central theme is that we're saved by grace, not through works. It's not about what we can do, but it's about what he has done. And there's over 7,000 promises in this book. 7,000 promises of truth testifying to the fact that there is hope in Jesus. And of course, that doesn't negate the place for endurance that Paul talks about here, or the place for perseverance, or times when we face testing or suffering or struggles. I think about um, the story of Joseph in the Old Testament in Genesis. If you've got time at some point this week, you know, maybe read it, go back to it. But Joseph experienced serious suffering, sold into slavery. And yet at the end of that story, he says, what the enemy meant for evil. What the enemy meant for harm, God turned for good. That's what God does in our lives. That's how he forms his plan in our lives. And he says that he has made him fruitful in the land of his suffering. You see, God's word brings encouragement. It's Isaiah 40 that says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If you're looking for energy, if you're looking for strength, look again to his word. But I, I know what it's like sometimes. Sometimes it can be so much easier to go elsewhere. That new Netflix series which we can immerse ourselves in or something else to distract us or to dull the pain. But actually the way to hold on to hope is to hold on to God's word to feed on it, to meditate on it, to listen to it. I love verses like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Or those words of Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life in all of its fullness. Those prophecies in Scripture, like in Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And it's as we read the stories of men and women of faith throughout the centuries, actually it's those stories where we see that God is sovereign, He is in control, He does have a plan for our lives. His promise over our life is true. And when we see our story as part of his promise, it leads us to worship. Someone defined worship as a response to a revelation. We need that revelation, that understanding that we are part of this story. As the Gentiles, we are incorporated into this story of the people of God. So that's the first thing we see, our certain hope is rooted in the promises of God. The second thing we see here is that our hope is demonstrated in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of these promises that we read. He is the personification of hope. And Paul in this passage, uh, in verse 12, he quotes the prophet Isaiah. And uh, it's Isaiah chapter 11. He says, the root of Jesse will spring up. Of course, Jesse was really talking of Jesus here. The root of Jesse was Jesus. Jesse being the father of David. And David, of course, was King David, and Jesus was a descendant of David. And so this is pointing forward to the birth of Jesus. He says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise and rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. 700 years, seven centuries, this prophecy is spoken before the birth of Jesus, that event that we're coming to celebrate in the next few weeks in that stable in Bethlehem. Jesus, the hope of the world, is born. A Savior is born to us. The Messiah has come to this world to rescue us from the dominion of darkness, to set us free from death. And Isaiah gives this prophecy at a time when the people of Israel, they'd almost been reduced to nothing. They were under Assyrian oppression. Their, Their whole society was increasingly secularized. They'd put their hope in idols, in other gods. And what I think we learn is, like then, the secular world offers very little hope. As a society, the further away we get from God, the less hope we seem to have. Don't we see that evidence of that all around? You know, increasing levels of depression, anxiety, emotional and mental health issues. But of course, the converse is also true. The closer we get to Jesus, the more hope we have in our lives. And of course, it's through Jesus' death, his resurrection, that we can come into that relationship with God. It's the relationship with Jesus that brings hope. Christian hope is not a thing, it's not a concept, it's a relationship with a person. And often it's those who are closest to Jesus. They're the ones who seem to have the most hope, the most joy the most peace 
in their lives. So that's certainly been the experience of my life. People who've been going through all kinds of different things, hopeless situations, but somehow they seem to have this bedrock of hope. I think about my own family, walked with Jesus for so many years. And some of you, many of you will know this already, but a number of years ago, a very close member of our family took their own life. And it was like this bomb went off in our family. It was just devastating. And at those moments, you never quite know how your family are going to come out the other side. But actually, you know, I looked after a number of years. They never stopped believing, never stopped hoping, never stopped holding on to hope in Jesus. I'm sure there are people that you've known who've walked closely with Jesus, who've known that kind of hope. And some of those great saints, those that are, have gone before us, I think of Mother Teresa. She was ministering, working in some of the most difficult places in uh, Calcutta, in India, working amongst the poorest of the poor in the slums. You know, she knew what it was to experience suffering. She experienced depression in her own life. And yet she says these words. She says, hope sees the invisible. It feels the intangible. And it achieves the impossible. When things seem hopeless, it's hard to hold on to hope. But the crucifixion seemed hopeless. There's no more depressing scene than the Savior of the world, blood stricken on the cross. Jesus was dead and buried, but on the third day, he was raised to life again. It's the resurrection of Jesus that ultimately brings hope in our lives. Death is not the end. Can I say that? Death is not the end. You may be here tonight and you fear death. We don't need to be afraid of death. Jesus is alive. Jesus has conquered death. And ultimately, this risen Jesus who we love, who we worship, one day he will return again to establish his kingdom on this earth. I'll just let you into a secret. We've, the end of the Bible, he wins. He wins. We're part of his victorious story when one day there will be no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more disease, no more COVID, hallelujah, no more injustice, no more disunity that we have to face. This certain hope of eternal life for each one of us when it says we will be raised to new life with him. This is a hope that we can hold on to, rooted in the promises of God, demonstrated in the person of Jesus. And finally, it's experienced through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here in verse 13, the Apostle Paul, he prays for the church. And actually, this is my prayer for myself and for each one of us and for the church here. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this certain hope, it's not just for the future. It's something that we can experience now. 
And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead promises in Scripture here says it lives in us. We can know something of that future hope now in us. And that's not just come to church, time of ministry, let me receive the Holy Spirit. This is so that we might know all joy and all peace. Not just some joy, not just some peace, but that deep, deep joy that surpasses our circumstances, that goes beyond just surface happiness. This is a joy that's like a bedrock for our lives. This is a peace that transcends all understanding. Maybe that you're here today, or maybe that you're approaching Christmas and you're thinking, oh, just things feel hopeless, or I just feel like I lack hope. Just know today, if there's not anything else that you take away, that Jesus wants to fill you with the power of his Holy Spirit so that you might know his joy and his peace. And this isn't just about having a nice experience. This isn't about something that's just for ourselves. Paul says here that this joy, this peace, this hope, it should overflow in our lives. This is something that should spill over. We as the church are meant to be a beacon of hope for those that we come into contact with. Our community, our city. And in a small way, that's why we do some of the things that we do. You know, stuff like Alpha, we're, we're speaking a message of hope. The food bank that we run here. We're wanting to provide hope for people. This is a great time at Christmas where we can give away hope to those that we come into contact with. You know, Marcus has talked about 2,000 bags of kindness that we're going to be giving away. We want to provide hope into people's lives. The invitation to the Christmas services, this is an opp opportunity to extend hope into what sometimes can feel like a hopeless world. When I think about those Chilean miners, those 33 guys trapped down a mine, not knowing whether they're going to be freed, not knowing whether there's going to be any kind of rescue, plunged into darkness. No hope of escape on their own. But actually it was those living on the surface, those who'd set their tent in camp hope, who never stopped believing, who kept trusting. They were the ones who held on to hope and they were able to extend that hope. That drill going down into that mine so that those people could be set free. That's what we're called to do as the church. That's what Jesus has done for each one of us. We were lost. We needed rescue. And yet he sent his son so that we might be set free, so that we might have a chance of life. Life now and life for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.